So if you are one that feels so deeply, many times we will attract partners who are usually the opposite. And usually because there is that polarity and that polarity breeds juicy attraction and it's exciting. There is that mystere. There is that idea. And there's also an underlying root, a subconscious root that maybe, just maybe, we want to fix them. We want to bring them to the other side. We want to bring them to the good side or we want to see what their potential is because you know they have that potential to change. Can I pop in for just 30 seconds left? It's official. It's finally here. My long-awaited eight-week, that suck, now what, group coaching immersion is finally here. Whether you are healing from a breakup, going through some sort of sucky moment, I would love, love to invite you on an interactive journey where for the first time I'm opening doors for a healing circle while incorporating deep concepts from my best-selling and five-time award-winning book so that in eight weeks you can embrace what sucked and soar into the next chapter of your life alongside an incredible connected community. Brave Table fam, I could not be more excited to have you part of the Founders School. So head over to that sucked now what.com forward slash waitlist to sign up and we will tell you all of the juicy deets. Now back to the show. Hello there, loves. Welcome to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Nita, and this is your oasis, your destination to be all things just a little bit more brave in your actions, in your life, and in your relationships. And today we have such a juicy episode for you. If you have ever been in an emotionally unavailable relationship, maybe you are the one that is emotionally unavailable to your partner or Maybe you were dating somebody or with somebody that is emotionally unavailable. This is for you. We're going to go into eight signs that you are with a partner that is emotionally unavailable and how to start building that bridge if it's even an option for you. But I want to first start with why are we attracted to people that are emotionally unavailable? And I was reminded of this at a recent event that I was at. And somebody that I met asked me a question. How do you know if your partner is emotionally unavailable? And I think Brave Table Fam, I've shared ad nauseum. I used to date emotionally unavailable men for a very, very long time. And I was always an empath. And if you've not taken the what your emotional type quiz is yet, you can actually take it at the emotionalreset.com forward slash quiz. And I was a combination of toxic positivity warrior, but also an accommodating pleaser, meaning former people pleaser. I was such an empath and I still am an empath. And I feel so deeply. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you are one that feels so deeply, many times we will attract partners who are usually the opposite. And usually because there is that polarity and that polarity breeds juicy attraction and it's exciting. There is that mystere. There is that idea. And there's also an underlying root, a subconscious root that maybe, just maybe, we want to fix them. 
We want to bring them to the other side. We want to bring them to the good side or we want to see what their potential is because you know they have that potential to change. Now, this can also fall into the category of if you had an emotionally unavailable caregiver. Most of the time, your father's where they couldn't sit in the discomfort of their emotions. So the way they reprimanded you when you were younger is you were too much. Don't you dare cry like that. I'll give you something to cry about. Put those emotions away. We don't cry in this household. If any of those sound familiar to you or maybe even worse, those are signs that you probably had an emotionally unavailable father. Well, guess what? When we have emotionally unavailable fathers, we tend to then seek out subconsciously those kinds of traits in our love relationships. And this was something that I didn't really learn or master until my big divorce. My big divorce in my Saturn return in my late 20s, where everything literally would fall to pieces. And I had the biggest breakdown from leaving my home haphazardly in the middle of the night on December 31st, 2011, literally fully scared, ashamed, in full guilt, worrying what the world was going to think, worrying what my family was going to think. And I I wanted to keep the secret so badly to myself. Now, I share this video with you because hopefully you don't have to go through some of the same things that I've went through or it doesn't get that bad. But you see some of these red flag signs and maybe they're not as bad. Maybe this is a growth opportunity and maybe you're going to share this with your partner and maybe they're open to a shift, a change, another way of doing things. But here are some signs that maybe they're not open to that side of themselves. Because the first thing that I want to bring up is hurt people hurt people. There are reasons why many times we have emotionally unavailable partners. The first is, well, maybe they haven't made peace with their upbringing. Maybe their caretaker passed down that generational trauma that their father passed down to them where emotions weren't allowed, crying wasn't allowed. Maybe they grew up in the military so you couldn't have those emotions because many times emotions were a sign of weakness, kind of like my grandfather. My grandfather served in World War II on my mom's side. And he was this very stoic disciplinarian. And he was the guy that everyone respected when he walked into a room with my mother and her siblings. And everyone was afraid of him. So that is one example. This could have been somewhat your story. And so many times, number one, emotionally unavailable partners, they have poor communication, meaning that they just deflect. They don't answer a question if you ask them, how are you feeling? If you are trying to engage, they don't want to engage. They change the subject. They deflect. And they're really, really good at mastering that. So they turn it on to you. They turn it on to something else. Or they get mad at you. Or they make it about you right away. They're really, really good at that because they do not like to sit in their suck. This goes into... Number two, they move so fast. They are, if you take my quiz, they are basically the toxic positivity warriors. They are like, nothing ever phases them. And if you've ever seen any of those memes, you know, that 
soldiers are kind of like going through the mud that nothing phases them or they're going through some really hardcore training, they have to be built that way. And that's great for mental and physical strength, but their emotional side is kind of lacking because they were never given a space or a safe place in order to allow allow feelings of screaming and yelling, allow feelings of sadness and grieving and mourning and losing. And so they move too fast because they don't want to sit in it. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable so that I'm not going to even acknowledge it. I'm just going to move past it. So it's what we call bypassing. And many times we spiritually bypass that emotion to get to the other side. And I see this many times in boardrooms, many times people who are significantly successful in a certain arena, maybe in business or maybe in entrepreneurship, they're so quick to bypass their emotions. And they're so quick to even say, oh, there's another thing coming. It's totally fine. That wasn't meant for me. And they're geniuses at this, but they're not geniuses at holding space for emotion. Because many times, they don't even think an emotion is something to worry about. It's something that we think of in our head. This is what I've been told. So number three, this sign is huge because they tend to avoid conflict. They don't want to bring it up. And if you're trying to bring it up, again, they will diminish it. They will try to numb. They will try to avoid. They will try to distract. And it can leave you as the receiver or as the person that's trying to initiate the conversation, as someone that's trying to initiate, hey, I just really want to talk to you about this. This has been weighing on my mind. They can't sit with your bigness. They can't sit with your heaviness in emotions. They can't sit with the conflict. So they want to solve And many times, if you are a partner that's like, I don't need you to fix this. I don't want this solution to the problem. I just need to vent. And if you are that emo partner that's like, why can't my partner just sit there and listen to me? Or why can't my partner just not try to solve the problem and just be with me in this? The other partner that's trying to avoid the conflict is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my partner is like overreacting and they probably say that you're too emotional or you're over-emotional and they can't sit with it. And so many times one person is avoiding and the other person is sad or in the suck or in the victim because they just want to be heard and they just want to be understood. And at that moment, that's where the conflict arises even more because the one partner is not giving what the other partner really desires. And the one partner thinks the other partner is just fully emotional and full emo. And how do we repair that then conflict where you have somebody that's completely hurt and somebody that's like overwhelmed and doesn't know how to sit with this discomfort? Number five, hopefully this never gets to this point for anybody that is watching this. They are emotionally abusive. They get so triggered up They don't know because they are so overwhelmed sitting in this suck, sitting in the fact that they can't fix this problem for their partner and they don't know what to do because they don't have the tools that they start to badger their partner. They start to say mean things. They start to say things like, you are the one that's constantly triggering me. So they basically take your words and they shift it onto you. And I'm going to say that again. They take your words that you are sharing and they shift it onto you. 
It's kind of like they do this boomerang. They throw it back at you. And you're kind of like, wait, am I crazy right now to even think that? I've had friends who were sharing this. And I've had students who've told me that in their relationship, they were trying to have a deep conversation with their partner. They were trying to tell their partner, hey, really would love for you to pay attention to me. I would really love for you to listen when I'm actually sharing something. I would really love for you to see me. Well, what do you mean? You don't actually see me when I'm with my friends. You don't actually pay attention to me. You're the one actually doing this. You're the one triggering me. You're the one doing that. You're the one that's a problem. And so you see how that can be emotionally manipulative and abusive. And they are really good at mastering that. A different approach, if some of you who are listening to this who are emotionally avoidant or unavailable and you want to do better, one of the things that you can do to repair is, I see you. I hear you're going through a rough time. Would you like me to offer advice, a solution, or did you just want me to listen? These are three great ways to ask to make your partner feel seen and feel heard and even feel understood. And you can even share, well, what I'm hearing you say is... And we know that in relationships, we always want to be right. We always want to be right. The emotionally unavailable one, especially, wants to be right. And so we use logic, we use facts, and we get away from our heart. And your partner is just trying to have you understand where they're coming from. That's it. Many times there's no need to fix. It's just to be able to sit there. And I've heard partners say, well, that takes too long. How long are we going to sit in this suck? How long are we going to sit in this? Well, the greatest example I can give you is if you've ever been around a two-year-old screaming or crying on an airplane or in a restaurant, and you're like, can anybody get this kid to keep quiet? I was guilty of this a very long time ago. And then I had my own. (laughs) And then I've had people who stare at us at the airport, in the airplane, at a restaurant when my two-year-old and four-year-old are having meltdowns. Now, the people reacting, it says a lot of what they can handle if they cannot handle a kid screaming. Because it tells me that, number one, what were they told when they were young about being able to express emotion? Is expression of emotion a bad thing? Do we need to keep quiet right away? Is there a space, a safe place where somebody can actually fully emote without getting judged? And this is what I want to bring into this conversation because if you have a safe space with your partner, there is no judgment. There's no judgment of being able to scream and yell and shout, albeit not at your partner. And I'll give you a tip for this. You can say, I am feeling X right now. I am feeling so angry that this person sent this email to me and I just need to vent. Because when we vent, when we are allowing that space to fully release in a safe container, not at the person, but in a safe container where we are feeling heard and we are feeling understood, well, that relieves the pressure valve, kind of like the pressure on a hot pot, fully. And many times when you just say it out loud, you kind of release a lot of the angst, the anxiety, the overwhelm, the stress, and the uneasiness that's sitting in your heart or in your gut or wherever you hold that tension. It's released fully. So number six, signs that you have an emotionally unavailable partner. 
you are doing most of the work. You are seeking out the books. You are seeking out the podcast. You are probably here on this podcast right now. You are sharing these things with them. You are looking at ways that maybe you can walk on eggshells around your partner. You are looking at ways where you can bring a conversation without rocking the boat with your partner. And I want to just bring up, it's not that they're not open to the work. Maybe they are. Maybe they just have a different viewpoint. At a talk that I gave, I had somebody say, well, feelings are just a mental construct. Well, we can't think our feelings. We can think our feelings. And when we think our feelings, that's called anxiety. When we think that bear is going to come and attack us, but it's not. We think that project is going to fail, but we haven't started it. So how do we know that it's going to fail? So are we thinking our feelings or are we actually feeling that feeling? And for an emotionally unavailable partner or emotionally avoidant partner, they may have had things happen either in their childhood or the way that they were trained to believe that emotions have no home, that emotions have no place. So they can either be an intense reactor, they lose their shit and they have a full meltdown as an adult And many times it's directed at you or the blame game at anybody around them. So that's the intense reactor or they are a sensitive receiver. You tell them something and they don't even want to hear it because they can't take criticism. And they are so deeply in their suck that it takes them days or weeks to even climb out of it, to even take any action. Or they are like what I described earlier, that toxic positivity warrior. They're like, bring it on, the next one and the next one. Nothing's going to phase me. They remind me of like the Marines or the Navy SEALs. Like nothing can break them down because they had to go through intense training. And so they literally had to numb their emotions. Or maybe they had a strict militant father or grandfather that passed that down or a strict mother who didn't give them any attention unless it was a different kind of accolade like success or medals, or awards. Number seven, they lack physical or emotional intimacy. Maybe they just like to do the deed and the sex, but without the emotional connection. That's a telltale sign that your partner is emotionally unavailable. Where the only intimacy you're getting is literally in the bedroom. And that too, for minutes at a time. Like the emotional intimacy and the emotional connection builds with the way that you can stare at your partner, look at your partner, appreciate your partner, celebrate your partner, sit with your partner, maybe share some of the things that they're doing, maybe take interest in what they are doing. And many times, maybe they're going too fast. Maybe they are on to the next thing. Maybe you can't slow them down. This is a reminder for you how... And why were you attracted to them in the first place? Because as we go back into it, opposites attract. Polarity is the most juicy thing that we can have in our relationships. And that's what increases our ability to be attracted towards one another and the attractiveness. Yet, is there a lacking in intimacy that needs to be explored or that makes you feel less than or that makes you feel rejected because they are just not available for that? And lastly, number eight, lack of accountability. This is huge. This is if you bring something up and they are unwilling, unwilling to listen or take responsibility or accountability. 
if they have done something to hurt you deliberately and there is no apology, maybe they twisted and turned your words right back at you and then they deny having done that or they deny it and say, oh, you're just getting super emotional again. You're just getting too crazy again. They're putting it on you. They're not taking accountability of how they've hurt you, how they haven't understood you. They haven't taken responsibility to do better for you in the context of that relationship. That could be a telltale sign that they are definitely emotionally avoidant and emotionally unavailable. And accountability starts with taking ownership of and if you have hurt somebody and taking responsibility for your part of the conversation, the situation, the setback, the challenge, the container. Because there are two people in a relationship. There are two people to make a relationship work. There are two people that can explore this together. So there you have it. The eight signs that your partner is emotionally unavailable. And I want to actually go into if your partner is listening to this right now, or maybe you stumbled across this and you're like, I want to know better. I want to do better. Because once upon a time, my co-pilot, Ajit, was operating on a lot of these things. Not all, but quite a few of them. He had poor communication skills. And there was this idea of moving too fast. He was definitely not wanting to sit in the suck. He was so incredible at processing through emotions really fast. Yeah, I wanted him to be there with me. I wanted him to hold space for me to allow me to vent. And so we have now come up with this exercise and I'll share this with you all for anybody who wants to try this with their partner. And this has been something that we've been working on for years and years and years. And he has been so open to dive into this work and so open to take accountability and personal responsibility where he feels... And he's always asking, would you like me to fix it? Would you like me to give advice? Or would you like me to just listen. And honestly, those three things literally changed our relationship on so many levels many, many years ago, even before we decided to have kids. And that was huge for me because he was grown up with this idea that emotions weren't a thing that were even discussed in their household. You would get a five-finger tuppered, which is a five-finger slap across your face. And they just didn't know better. And our elders, that's basically how they disciplined us. Disciplined with quote unquotes. And I know we can joke around it now, but how does that actually move through in your love relationship? And how do you actually do better? And now anytime we have a conflict or anytime we have an issue, Ajit will actually say, all right, he'll ask, are you fully resourced to hear this right now? Meaning that I have to share something with you or I have a challenge that I'm working through. I would love your support on it. And immediately, because we're both coaches, I'll say, okay, do you need me to hold you right now? Do you need me to support? Do you need me to give advice? And these are the tools that we use. And so we'll aggravate it. We'll on purpose encourage it to come out. So it'll go something like this. He'll say something like, well, you left the dishes in the dishwasher. And after coming home from a really hard day, that made me feel unimportant. And I would say, okay, well, tell me how else it made you feel. And that made me feel that you don't care about keeping this home clean. 
all right, well, tell me more. Well, and that made me feel that I'm thinking that you are not a caring or present wife. And so we'll just aggravate it and aggravate it and aggravate it. And it'll be an intense conversation, but on purpose so that we can actually emotionally vomit out whatever trigger is left in that charge. And this is our own emotional release that we've been able to start implementing ever since we've had our daughter, Isla. And it has been such a game changer. So if you're up for it, I would encourage you to try that. And I would also love to invite you to my That Sucked Now What workshop that I'm doing absolutely for free. And it is on September 15th. Now, if you're watching this afterwards, you can sign up for the replay at thatsuckednowwhat.com forward slash waitlist. That is thatsuckednowwhat.com forward slash waitlist. But when you go to thatsuckednowwhat.com forward slash waitlist, you'll get the details on the upcoming free workshop that I'm doing. And if you can't make the live, you'll actually get the replay. And we are going to go over some of these tools that I'm sharing with you and so much more. If you are curious about just sitting in your suck, if you're curious about being able to embrace what sucked, and maybe some of this has resonated with you today. Maybe parts of you have been emotionally unavailable because maybe it is too difficult. It is too hard. It has caused triggers in the past. Maybe it caused you to lose certain relationships in the past. So whatever it is, I invite you to come along for the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in today and always. And if you think this would be beneficial for a friend or a colleague or family member, go ahead and share this episode. It would mean the world if you would give us a five-star review on iTunes. It would just get us getting bigger guests and being able to pour into the community to have us have more brave conversations in our life, in our relationships, and in our actions. So until next time, I will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Brave Table this week. 